Okay, well, well, so here's the story. So this is funny. We were just talking about like who can cook well. My in-laws can cook really well. Like everything they make, they could just look in the pantry in the fridge. I'm like, yeah, I'll throw something together. I'm like, how did you get this out of that? Um, my parents, the opposite. I, I, I was jokingly said I'm dealing with with trauma from from my childhood of having to eat what I grew up with. It's not that bad. I'm, I'm being dramatic. But one night I decided, this was like a year ago, I decided, actually no, it was during the pandemic. I'm like, oh, mom, dad, why don't you guys come over for dinner? I'm making everything. And I made like six different dishes that were like staples of what we had growing up. One would be like, okay, so I was in marching band during um, high school. My dad would always make this like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. You've seen it in like the frozen food section, steakums. It's like frozen ribeye. Oh, yeah, I remember like, steakums. Okay, yeah. They're not, it's not great, but like he would somehow do like the bread, the mustard. Like it was, it was a decent sandwich at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. It would take him like five minutes to cook for us. Awesome. He was cooking us dinner at 10 o'clock at night. So there you go. That's, that's love. That's a great, that's a great father. Then my mother, she'd do like um, boneless chicken thighs with rice and like cream of mushroom, like soup or whatever as a casserole. Ugh. Sounds great, doesn't as like an eight-year-old boy. No. Um, or like fettuccine Alfredo, both crab, K-R-A-B, like the imitation crab. So I made all mm-hmm. these things. Oh my gosh. I've never made my mother so mad. She was offended. She's like, I did not cook this. I didn't, this is not what you had. I'm like, did I just make this stuff up? Like I just <laughs> went online, worst recipes to make for your parents. And then I found I have no idea. But yeah, that's just a random story somehow came up when we were when we were talking. So that's not on my favorite things this week. My in-laws are in town, but she's a great cook. So it's been yeah. great. I have not cooked. I put the tater tots in yesterday and I was like, Kevin, this oh, is man. all I did. Did anybody notice? I'm not I'm not pulling my weight here. You're like, I'll, I'll clean up. Like, let me help. My uh, my brother-in-law who lives in Sweden and works in Copenhagen. They lived in Copenhagen for I think 12 years. They're in town. And what that means for us when it comes to food is that we have to go to Ikea for dinner at least once because believe it or not, and this is not me hating, this is the actual truth. Swedish meatballs are the only thing from Sweden worth eating. (laughs) I I can believe that. I'm from Sweden. I'm going to ask. Yeah. Linnea Chapman is uh, Swedish in her background as well. She's, she'll probably be mad when she hears this, but I mean, (laughs) I've been over there twice and both times, I mean, the bread and, and pastries, that's a, on a different level. They okay. have some pretty cool hot dog things uh, going on there with like fried onions and weird relishes. Sounds good. But then it's just it's just Swedish meatballs. Like there's, I found out there are uh, actually three Nepali restaurants in Columbus, Ohio. There are zero Swedish restaurants, zero mm. Nordic country of any kind restaurants. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Interesting. Mm. I have um. I have a friend that used to, they have four kids. So there's, you know, Kevin, you can relate. They would do date nights at Ikea. You could, they have like the downstairs, at least ours is two floors. Oh yeah, don't. They'd drop their kids off and they'd go eat Swedish meatballs. I'm like, you could, we'll watch your kids. Like you don't have to go, <laughs> go have a date night at Ikea. That doesn't count. Like we'll watch your kids for you. Like we don't mind. No, they just like every weekend they go and drop their kids off for like an hour. That is hour not my half. favorite thing at all. No, I'm good. I'm good. Let's get started. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. 
We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 297. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Julie Jarnigan and Andrew Peak because Beth Russell went full on Miley Cyrus with her voice today. I didn't know that. She texted me that first thing this morning and I was like, huh? talking about you've gone full Miley Cyrus and she's like sorry that was a mom joke which I didn't realize mom jokes were a thing so I just was happy that she equal opportunity bashing of adult jokes I I support it yeah Miley has a pretty low voice a little little raspy it's not that low her kid has been sick and so apparently it got passed down (laughs) it's this is the beginning school's just started so oh that's true that's true. It's going to hit all of us. We'll only get worse. No one else in my family got in the poly COVID. That was shocking. Good. Yeah. Good. Totally, totally in the clear. All right. Story time. Who's going first? I can go. Y'all are going first. Mine okay. is kind of, <laughs> kind of ra- random. Um, so just randomly in my email, I got an, uh, email, like a marketing email from Hidden Valley Ranch, <laughs> like from Ranch Dressing. What? I was like, how in the world? Did I end up on this list? Is it a really, really old list I was on from like, maybe I got a recipe or maybe they sold it to somebody. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that I got it because I was like, that's random. Then I woke up the next morning. I had two from them overnight. So that was my third. Then within the span of like less than 48 hours, I had six different marketing emails from Hidden Valley Ranch. And I would, I, I would, try, to un- I would try to unsubscribe and I would keep getting them. And so finally, I just had to hit the like, this is spam button in my email, you know, quit sending them to me, which is just a reminder, (laughs) not that you're Hidden Valley Ranch, but don't, if you have a list and you haven't sent any emails and you just start spamming, don't do that. You need to send emails consistently on some kind of normal um, basis. So people are expecting them and don't just send six in a day about hidden valley ranch because yeah it's like their <laughs> it's like their marketing automation just exploded That's crazy <laughs> the more you know like, what, Thank you what could they even promote like do you get like a 36 pack of of all these oh no like, they they cross promote usually recipes. with like sour cream or something yeah You're like you know you can add you can add a ranch packet to sour cream and make dip mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was oh, a lot of recipes i think so i don't know how i ended up on it but they were aggressive Fine. Is there um, a preferred email cadence? Like, is well, I got this email today from someone. Said, "Hey, my onsite team doesn't ever want marketing to send emails because they said we don't want to overwhelm our customers with too much communication." When it comes to to from marketing, what do we what do we think? Is it Personally, I yeah. say twice a month from. Um, from marketing, maybe once a month. If you can't do two good ones a month, do one good one a month and probably no more than two a month. That's me. Y'all may have a different number. I, no, I like two that. is my cap Two's from good. marketing. Like, and I, I like that. Um, I, I gave props to open door a while ago where they give a lot of value in their email. They're like your new offer, your new offer. Yep. I think it's every three weeks. Um, and it's, there's value in there. They probably see that I open it. And so that's why they're giving me, a, maybe I have a, an accelerated cadence compared to someone else. Um, but yeah, I think twice and then and maybe some type of like trigger that helps you slow down that cadence. Like, okay, now they're, 
they purchased. Let's not give them all of the marketing emails. Maybe they switch to different lists, whatever it may be. But I think we all agree, lean on less versus more from marketing. Well, less as long as it's not none or randomly none. when we no have none. a new, just when we <laughs> think of it, it out. needs some, I feel like it needs some kind of plan and strategy around it instead of when we get to it, because that usually means never until we're panicking. And then people get it and they're like, wait, who is this? What is this? If you do have a cadence, they at least are are used to seeing you pop up in their inbox and it's not so um, yeah. insulting. Like, well, I don't know if insulting is the wrong word, but uh, with be. Hidden Valley Ranch. Spammy. Yeah, it's one of those areas that as an industry, we still don't use data properly, I think, to clearly find like, you know, from the time someone becomes a lead to the time they decide to go on an appointment, I would argue that you you could, if you to your point, if you had the great content, Julie, if you had, let's say, 15 amazing in-depth articles slash blogs with photo galleries and or videos or virtual walkthroughs about 15 different stories of customers who chose your homes and love them. I think you could send one of those a month if they're good enough, or sorry, one of those a week if they're good mm -hmm. enough over 15 weeks. But the signal of once they once you go to an appointment, you're kind of transitioned to another phase. And while it might still be interesting to get those, you might then have to do the work of saying, what are the best three that they haven't already seen? and spacing them out more because there's now it's, it's still going to be interesting. Just like people love watching HGTV, even though they already know where they're going to move or, you know, they just bought something. They still want it, but they don't need to be deluged with it in the same way. And of course, all those ha ideally would have the signal of go here and view more if you want, let the customer binge them, but then know not to send them because they've already seen them in an ideal world. Agree. All right. Um, mine comes from a call earlier this week because I feel like this is happening a lot, uh, not just with the builders that we work with, but but around the country where traffic is still high. And in fact, um, the aggregate data set from home builder data, it's about the same as where it was in February, March in terms of traffic to home builder websites. Lead volume. <clears throat> Depending on the price point and area, some some places are down. But if you look at year over year, most people are still up. And and so we were talking about a struggling neighborhood. And they last month in June, they had six leads in there. So that this particular builder uses Lasso. When you use Lasso and you're analyzing lead volume, a reminder that you typically have to go look in two places. You have to go look into the individual community project. And that's going to let you see all of the online leads that have transitioned to on-site through an appointment, as well as walk-in traffic. And then you're going to have to go to the online sales bucket project and look at the leads that have come in just for that neighbor. And then you have to add the two together. So we started out looking in the project folder. Uh, first thing was that no one on the call immediately kind of already had their finger on the pulse of what the lead volume was for the community, which is marketers we should always especially the ones that are high focus. Like this is a neighborhood that I I'd taken over the call from Jackie Lipinski. She went on maternity leave, but they were like, oh yeah, we talk about this one like every time. <laughs> it's like, cool. So how many leads did we have last month? Uh, it's okay. Like, you know, they didn't know it, but we, we looked it up and they had uh, 38 leads 
in the on-site project. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, we looked at where the lead sources were coming from, uh, both in terms of like just phone call, form submission, as well as actual marketing source. And then we go to June and there were six. I was like, wow, that's a statistically significant difference. Like something changed, what happened? And we go through the list and um, you wanna guess what changed? Actually, I'm gonna make you guess. You probably don't want to, cause you're like, I don't know, but. What's the number from six to 38 after? leads just in the onsite project. What do you think? Six leads? up to 38. Mm-hmm. Oh, they increased. Um, more finished quick move-ins listed? Or That's a great guess. Change? I think they just added them. They were there before. Maybe they added everybody. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> like, You're like they very, very them. close. Like, like, they're, like this, they had the same number. Maybe the number didn't change, but they just decided like, well, everyone's looking at me. I'm in the mm-hmm. hot seat. I better add something in here. Which is, okay, so that, that's your final clue for those of you playing at home. When leads start being put in the system by on-site agents after there has been five, six months of intense scrutiny of said on-site agents, what's happened is there's a new one. <laughs> there's a new on-site agent who doesn't oh, know the, the game to be played oh, and yeah. silly, silly salesperson. You're putting all of your walk-in leads in the system. They don't know better. It's like, yeah. I always go back to when I first started playing golf, it was the best golf I've ever played in my, in my life because I was just playing. I wasn't overthinking it. And then as you start overthinking it, you start doing all these adjustments that are wrong typically when you're new. You start playing worse, you get in your head. And so new salesperson. Now in the online bucket, uh, we went back and there were 36 online leads for July for this uh, neighborhood. And, and so then we went back to the onsite project and just ran only the walk-ins and there was 18 of them. And then I'm really bad at math. So it took me about 45 seconds to figure out that the total lead count for this struggling neighborhood was 54 in a 30 day period. Wow. Now, the one thing I always like to remind everyone is the way that we approach marketing and advertising at Do You Convert means that we don't have to consider at all unless our builder partner has chosen to do something that we don't recommend. We never have to wonder to ourselves, I wonder if those 54 people are interested or qualified in any sense of the word. Why don't we have to do that? And again, this is a really big deal because every ad we ever run talks about the location, price point, and type of product that you are selling. So when those leads come across, we're, we're not, they're not just like, you know, trying to collect a $50 scratch off ticket by entering in their contact information or entering to win a car or whatever. They, like, so, to bring it all back down to the, now that I've told you the journey, it was just like, wow, we don't have a struggling community from an advertising problem. We don't have a struggling community from a lead problem. What we have is an appointment to sale conversion challenge. Yeah. And with 54 people in a 30 day period, someone needs to give the sales team permission to screw it up. And what I mean by that is just start getting sales. You know, they were like, well, this is a higher end neighborhood. And we always get the feedback that a lot of customers are concerned about selling their existing home. I go make up an make up an existing home sale package 
incentive. Yeah. Hey, uh, no problem. We'll 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 create. A, <laughs> what is that? Make it up. Just say we'll 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 partner with three agents um, that we know are are great agents, and they're they've promised to do an enhanced listing package on any referral that we send over. So you can pick any of those three agents. And then as the builder, you might have to pay an extra couple hundred bucks to them to make sure you get the best photographer that they typically would use out on site or do a little bit more advertising, whatever it is. But just say, yeah, we're just putting together the finishing touches of our uh, list your home VIP experience. Uh, let's just sign contingent upon you seeing the details of that program and feeling comfortable selling your house or whatever, but something there's too much like, yeah, it's price. Yeah. But it, um, and I, I think I talked about this last time, so I'm not going to go into it, but that, that builder that had a 6% appointment to sale ratio really changed some things around and got to a 20% that 11 sales to 51 sales. That's a lot of, and two thirds of their That's leads nice. for that incentive were people that are already in their system. And I was on a call with Jesse Suggs, uh, online sales coach for another builder this morning. She did analysis for a builder and something like 80% of their sales were to people who had been in the system for over three months. Hmm. All of the friction that's preventing sales is coming from the middle and the bottom of the funnel right now. And that's likely to continue through the end of the year. And so just wake up, smell the coffee and, and start adjusting accordingly. Cause you're not, I have not, maybe one of you two have, I haven't seen any promotion that anyone has done 80 different builders, almost every state in the country over the last three months that has significantly increased their lead volume. And again, the only asterisk there would be qualified leads, not just leads that are from performance max campaigns and mostly spam. Don't do that. You're not, you're not going to no, convince anyone that today is the first day that they should start thinking about buying a house or moving. No. And we'll, we definitely have some news lined up to really yeah. support that. Let's um, just jump yeah, into that one not. while we got it. So yeah. from in, business insider, over 80% of Americans think it's a bad time to buy a house which coincidentally also means that the majority of Americans also think it's a bad time to sell a house. Mm -hmm. Sellers are also buyers. And so they don't want to sell if they think it's a bad time to buy because most of them are going to have to buy. So 82% think it's a bad time to buy a new home. Affordability is plunged. So unless there is a reason to move, like even this goes back, I, I mean, here, someone texted me this right now and I'm just, I'm overdoing this point because it is so important for the second half of this year. Someone said, Hey, um, what's your thoughts and six about success and failures around special inventory events, i.e. showcase of homes, liquidation event, year end sales event, everything must go, et cetera. It's like, well, let's not call it everything must go or liquidation sale, but yeah, uh, even that. in a good market doing that consistently once a year and that, at Heartland, we just, that was the only incentive we did all year. Everything else was adjusting pricing to market. But every year we did basically a December to remember sales event. It was the only sales event of the year. And that trick will work once. Um, so I was just saying, you know, maybe end of summer and fall is a better time to get your 
stuff sold before the end of the year when everyone else is panicking. I kind of, I don't mind that, but I said, Hey, just remember 70% of the buyers are probably already in the system. So it's communicating to those people you already know. And they said back, we were thinking of doing this event for 75 to 90 days. What's your reaction to that? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what I want to say out loud, but that feels like <laughs> it's not a real event. Then it's garbage. Like it, like I'm, I view it negatively. Like it's not a real deal. It's just a fake promotion. It's too know. long. I, I, too I feel long. like it's, it's too long, especially knowing that the majority of people who will take advantage of that opportunity will be people they already know. Yeah. So I said, Hey, probably doesn't need to be that long. You know, just heads up. And he said, well, I think we're going to have to do longer because we don't do well at fostering leads long-term to which I just wanted to say that's, that's an unacceptable Wait, answer. Did I misunderstand that? They need it longer because they're not good at fostering leads because they think time? that the, yeah, they're, they're not good at nurturing leads longer term. Okay. And so they feel like the, the sales event has to go for 90 days so that new leads can come in have time to absorb their opportunity. Oh, gotcha. So they, they lose people after X amount of time. Mm -hmm. like, their old leads aren't useful anymore. Gotcha. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. Those, your They're buyers are sitting there. You have your revenue. have ever there. been right now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Back to the article. I kind of like merging story time or article time. Yeah. I mean, that's one was perfect. Unplanned. So that's fun. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate has risen from under 5% to nearly 7%, according to Freddie Mac, with the Federal Reserve's most aggressive interest rate hiking campaign since the 1980s. I was born in 81, so it's, a, it's, it's been a while. And everyone's still kind of pessimistic. Now, but that doesn't mean that, but that does mean by default, the people who have to are more urgent. Right. Yeah. They have to. And I think it's such a good opportunity to just agree with them that, yeah, it is a terrible time to buy an existing house. Like, yes, absolutely. You are completely right. It is a terrible time to buy an existing house. It's a great time to buy a new house because look at this great thing we can do to help you. And look how our, um, how they hold their value. And it just is a good um, opener to a conversation uh, to talk yeah. through these things. So I don't think you're ever gonna convince all these people that, oh, 80% of people are wrong, you know? Everybody yeah, because be think, well, think right about now. the um, think about the psychology here of, you think it's a bad time to buy. And you see an ad that a builder runs that says 50, 75 grand off if you buy by the end of the month. I think, I think your negativity bias is like, see, I told you it's a bad time to buy. You don't think to yourself, much money? Yeah, that's I wasn't going to buy, but now I can save 75 grand. Like again, mm -hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't work, but it doesn't work for the reason we tell ourselves it works. When someone buys something that's on sale, that's because that's what they believe it's actually worth, or they believe that there's some that like, it's not the savings. We justify that. We tell our spouse, Hey, don't get mad at me. I just saved us a hundred dollars. But in our minds, we knew that that's not what we did. Yeah, yeah. That's what it should be paid. I could see that reaction being like, Oh, desperation. It's still overpriced. <laughs> this as far as like, if you're being kind of indoctrinated with like these articles like this, where like 80% say it's a bad time to buy your reaction is to be correct with the rest of society. And so you're like, well, I'll go along with that. I feel like that'll make me look smart. And like you said, Julie, like, well, the builders are the ones offering like these great incentives, 5.25, five and a half, four point yeah. whatever. 
that's different than 7%, significantly different. So, Well, and the other thing that's interesting about interest rates, Barbara Corcoran, you all know her from Shark Tank. Oh, um, mm -hmm. She's kind of got a thing that's going viral around the, the used home industry right now because she's like, everyone, you've got to buy a house now that rates are at 7% because when rates go down, the prices are going to go up. So what she's Fair. correlating to, and it's not a crazy thought at all, is when rates were at four and a half and they went down to three, it took, a, it took too long for most builders to figure this out. But builders were like, wait a minute, I can, you know, they, I still remember people be like, well, how much should we raise prices by Kevin? I mean, they just keep selling. What should we raise into? I go, just do the math of exactly what is the same payment. And you can go there now. It's, it's the affordability around payment. You can just go to that price. You don't have to look at your cost. Just go to that price. And so her argument is if you buy now and take that pain, you'll be better off because when rates go down, the prices of everything will go higher. That's not a guarantee, by the way, because if rates go down, it still means that there's bad things going on in the economy and the job market it's, would um, have turned. But. It's, um, I think to say kind of rudely in my brain, like that's like, privilege problems um <laughs> right like she's like i have x amount of a bank account like I'm, i'll deal with yeah. this and two years i'm out of this situation but if you're stuck at seven percent forever you can't revive your financial situation doesn't change or drastically um go up then you're kind of you could be stuck so for normal people mm. maybe not but i i definitely understand what she's what she's saying there what's interesting is do we know anyone this is going way back remember door d-o-r the oh, yeah. door counting, uh -huh. the tracking, the infrared the tracking, tracking tool. Uh -huh. Yeah, I remember they weren't um, that expensive to implement. And then like, as we kind of got used to that, and I'm not sure if there's any builders still using it, but there's recommendation like, oh, put it, don't put it at the front door, put it like in the primary bathroom or something or whatever would be like, okay, real people in the model home yeah. will definitely go here versus someone going in and out, in and out, deliveries, mail, et cetera, et cetera. Be interesting having that data to kind of normalize like, the salesperson, this is back to the first part of your story, like leads went up. No, it's just a new, new, new sales agent on site. It's like, well, we've had 300 people come in, 200 people, hundred people, whatever it is. That person has six, this one for six. So that just kind of like normalize the data. Be interesting. Um, so my little story is just like, maybe it's, it'll make you feel comfortable. GA four is still quirky. I don't, I don't like it. I don't get it. I was just mm -hmm. on a call about an hour and a half ago. Um, really intelligent guy. He's like, hey, we're seeing this. Like, what is happening? And I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I could be super smart right now and have the answer. Have the answer to this. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, let me just rebuild that report for no, you. Maybe no that will has. fix it. Yeah. Like, I do not know. Like, essentially, it was only charting one campaign, but the other campaigns were down here. The numbers weren't making sense. Then you add in like, yeah, everyone has the delay of the data. It seems to be like 24, 36, 48 hours. Theirs seems to be a little bit longer than that. It's a lot of fun. And they have a lot of data. So it's not like we've seen some where like the, the sampling is smaller. It could be goofy, but it just seems to be inconsistent all over the place. And it's not much fun. Thank you, Google. It's not fun at all. Yeah. yeah. It's well, and the inconsistencies, unfortunately, are not. It'd be one thing if it was just Google. But it's the implementation still of GA4 on some web environments that, you know, it's, yeah. and that's where you, you can't, I mean, you will, because you're human, you'll get mad at the web developer. 
but it's it's multiple web developers that are having this issue. It's not just one. And so, sometimes it's for a bit of code that really should have nothing to do with causing any interference with GA4. So I, I, I feel like I use this a lot, but you know, WordPress is a great format for a blog, but trying to build a website with WordPress, in fact, again, just this morning, I talked with a, a large organization, multi-state organization that still uses WordPress for their, and we were talking about, they are having a spam Painful. issue. And I said, well, a lot of times WordPress is something that doesn't help that. And they're like, oh, really? Why? I go, because you don't often update WordPress as often as you should when you've got 20 different plugins that are connected to that, yeah, that might also break. then will potentially break when you update. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, we're on a really old version. I go, yeah, you're going to get spammed. Get spam uh, so it's that same kind of issue though, that WordPress has where you're using the same website you always have. GA4 said, hey, no big deal. Just put in this line of code and put it here exactly where we tell you and everything will be fine. But there's interactions with other lines of code that really shouldn't be affecting it that, that are for some people. Thankfully, it's only about 5% that are still working through that issue. And also, thankfully, um, I just saw an article posted yesterday, like for 90% of people, uh, UA is still live and kicking. And, yeah, and, I, and I see it. I'm like, I want to use it. But then out of principle, <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I could be the one that says, I'm I know, I finally UA converted all of my little stars on uh, oh, Google yeah. Analytics over to, to uh, GA4 accounts versus UA, but it is tempting. So I, I have to say, I've gotten more use to GA4 than I thought because the other day yeah. I was in there and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm using UA, like just because it looked familiar yeah. to me. And I was like, oh, I'm not. I'm just used to this now. So that's good. And, um, Andrew, the most frustrating thing is when a piece of data is showing up in one place, like randomly, oh. but it's Say not events. showing up in the place it needs to show yeah. up. You're like, I know mm -hmm. it's there. It exists. I just can't make it show <laughs> yeah, up was, where it needs to show up. I think that was Tuesday. Julie and I were troubleshooting Google Tag Manager and um, GA4 and like everything was correct. It just wouldn't show up in both places for certain events we were setting up to support conversion tracking. There's no certainty, which by the way, look above my head, this side. Ah, look, I added your you. book right there. Perfect. <laughs> little color in my room. Good stuff. That's that's all my story is. But I I, I get the five percent of of all of it. So like ninety yeah, percent of my job. world is it's it's broken GA form. Like, are you kidding Andrew me? Andrew is our here. level five tech support. Yeah, it uh, all, it, all and, it rolls sideways and uphill and diagonally to me. It's great. Doesn't we don't have a perfect track record of fixing everything, but we, we are, I think, nearly perfect on identifying the cause. Yeah. Like if it's something that we can't touch, like a website or a, a server issue, whatever, but we can, we can usually help. Sometimes I'm actually happy when Andrew can't fix it out because I feel like it wasn't <laughs> yeah, a dumb question. It was like, this <laughs> might be stupid, Andrew. And then when he can't figure and, it out, I'm like, yes, it's a real problem. And sometimes that's enough um, is like, <laughs> okay, cool. Better. I'm not going crazy anymore. Like we all agree this is just weird and quirky. We're not going to worry about it for a little bit. And then sure enough, it'll just fix itself on its own. Uh, next up, I guess we'll link to my um, tweet. Do we still call it that? I don't know. Um, but Zillow is hiring over a hundred photographers around the country nice. uh, to continue to enhance their enhanced listings product. And so what's really cool about this is 
Zillow, if you've missed somewhere, been under a rock over the last um, six months or so. Showing, showing Time Plus, which they purchased, which is like the centralized scheduling um, platform. And then they've kind of built around that enhanced listing features, uh, 3D tours, photos, um, basically everything you need to get your listing to look better. You get a, a better layer on the actual uh, map as well. They're going all in on this. And I think it's the right call for any syndication company to do so because you know, Julie wrote a book and that's great, but content's still hard for builders, harder than it maybe should be. A lot of times it's just because they are still doing something really stupid like connected TV advertising or um, billboards, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Like you have the money to solve this problem, but you're using it for, for less um, efficient purposes. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I have a feeling this is going to be huge when they start to roll it out. And I have no idea when uh, they'll be doing this, but the moment the builders can just say, who are already advertising on Zillow? And it's like, yeah, for X amount more, or I don't know if they're gonna include it, but do you want us to just come take pictures of this house? Like really good pictures. <laughs> and it's also a good box out move for homes.com, which is trying to come in and, and disrupt. Although I, I read an article that Basically, they even know they're not going to be Zillow. It's like we're, our goal is to be a really good number two and keep Zillow honest, but we're not going to we're not going to take over. Sure. I mean, there's there's Bing ads to Google ads, so there's always a number two. I wonder if they'll even have the photographers edit, which would be. I think so. Very, I mean, basic so? basic edits, yeah, basic cleanup. And I was like, imagine that. What's be really great, smart like about this from a strategic perspective? And Holmes, uh, well, CoStar, Holmes' parent company, started this on the. Uh, commercial side, they can take these pictures. And again, I haven't seen any paperwork, so I have, I have no clue how this will work. But my hunch is it will work similar to CoStar in that CoStar lets um, the commercial agents use the imagery that they shoot for anything except to send to other commercial real estate syndication portals. So this whole concept, um, Inman Connect in Vegas is going on this week. And uh, one of the panels with Robert Refkin, the CEO of um, Compass, and someone from from Redfin, and um, the CEO of Next Next Home, I think is the name of the company. They are all talking about how like pocket listings or like listings that are unique to to a company are just so incredibly important right now because there's not enough of them. And that's why we talked about. Um, uh, Howard Hanna's move in the Cleveland area to be like, nope, we're not sharing our listings <laughs> uh, with other offices in the same way we have been. This is just like, again, it's in the technology world, they call it like getting closer to the bare metal. When you're talking about taking pictures of listings, you're getting closer to boxing out competitors in like the most um, bare metal approach. Like you're, it's where the rubber saying. meets the road. Like yeah. you don't have pictures. Great. So your, your listing on homes.com says that the house is 2000 square feet, but it has no pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty smart. No, no one's going to care. I like it. Especially though, there'll be, I'm sure great pictures too. Like they will be standardized and like, that will be the look for real estate photography, whatever Zillow decides if they end up being mm -hmm. like, they set the mood, they set the tempo um, of it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Good for them.
Yeah, I just think, well, good for everyone if it's done right. And that, yeah. we don't know if it will be done right, but anything that helps a builder solve a problem at a reasonable price and help Zillow, like that's doesn't happen often again, but win-win-wins are really good. Yeah. I like it. Really good. Um, all right, back to bad news. Is that where we're going? I think so. Yeah, um, sounds like bad news. <laughs> I think it's bad news. From, from Redfin dot uh, com housing market update the typical u.s home buyer's monthly payment is up nearly 20 percent from a year ago as prices rise that's a bit 20 percent. the average price of a home is only up 3.2 percent but the average payment is up 20. thank you, you think, interest rates yeah interest rates do you think um obviously lower down payments i would assume so that's affecting it yes um is it my mind on this goes to everything outside of housing like this does affect housing but i'm like so i'm in florida right here by the water five minutes away i'm thinking like oh like a lot of people want a boat you go to a boat show you do not see a price you see a monthly payment on every boat and you're like yeah. that boat's 229 a month brand new boat warranty it includes sea tow all this stuff you're like I'll be looking at Lindsay, Lindsay, 229 a month. Like we just don't have to go to Chick-fil-A six times. Like that's not bad. Let's sacrifice that. We could get a boat, brand new boat. But as things like this go up, I'm like, well, that's not an option anymore. Or let's not do that. And now the person that's selling the boat, they have less commission. Now they're making less money. This kind of like cascading effect of like, if you're, what's the phrase? Like house, house poor. Like eventually I feel like that long-term, I don't have the data on this. I'm not, I feel like oh, this is economist info on this. Like you eventually that affects other industries and it's this full circle of like, that's not good. I'm sure there's like a perfect number to be at, right? That, I don't know, maybe there isn't. Where if it's too high, then it affects, you spend less in other places. If it's too low, then it, there should be more spend in housing. You could afford more. And so that keeps prices lower, keeps demand lower. If that makes any sense in my head, this makes perfect sense. I, I think it makes sense. For there's out. like, I don't know, 2000 people who work for the fed who are trying to figure out like yes. the answer to that question. It's extremely complicated. That, that's why rates are moving around. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, I got a little bit distracted because I'm looking at this chart, uh, which is on the video uh, version on, on YouTube for those of you watching or on do Yeah. New home listings are down 21% year over year. Look at, so 2022, the red line, this is when everyone's like, see, told you so, the world's gonna end because listing listings started reappearing. And then June, July, they fell off. And they, I mean, the yellow line for 2023 is just, I mean, it's it's in the range, let's just say, of 2020 COVID lows, like April, mm -hmm. May, the number of new homes that hit the market was at an all-time low for April, May, but we've kind of been hanging around there all of 2023. It's just incredible. Like the amount of pain on the used home side of the world for these folks who don't have the number of transactions is crazy. And I am hearing, again, we got to get an agent uh, or a broker on the program to talk about this because I'm getting more uh, emails and texts as well from builders who are like, what is going on? with real estate agents. They are losing their their mind. Every deal is like a, a huge deal. They're 
I mean, some of the words they use to describe the behavior, I don't know if I can say on air, but you need your little sensor button. They're like, please tell us that you have something happening at the summit in September talking about how to handle agents and what to do because it's just, it's, it, but I mean, you have to understand the pain that a lot of them are going through here. It's not, it might be irrational behavior, but it's irrational behavior caused by a rational source, if that makes sense. That's what I just had a conversation with a builder that I'm like, what, what did you do? Why are your walk-ins so much higher? And it's somebody who they have never wanted to bother with realtors. They never needed realtors. They were just a pain in their side. And she was like, well, honestly, we've been dealing more with realtors and open to working with them now just because they need, they need listings and we've got the listings. So we're like, okay. So it's kind of even changing how some people are um, open to working <laughs> with realtors, yeah, realtors, even though I'm sure pursuing. it's going to make things more crazy for them for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Um, all right. I, I don't, think there's anything else really that I want to talk about from the news. It's more like, eh, we know that stuff. Elon Musk is trying to win back advertisers with brand safety technology. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I don't even like, want to talk they have about that before? it before. That was my thought. I'm like, didn't they have it before? Is this new or old news? I don't know. First of all, the whole, the whole thing, I mean, it, maybe it settles down and it, in some ways it has cause thread thread who like, what's that thing? Um, all the users that I, and, and the, the community is alive and well there. Most of the people I interact with are not, have not gone away or stopped, um, X on, um, on X. Okay. I was but like advertisers are so, in fact, I do want to read this. I pulled up another thing that we can't share the link to cause it's a subscription, um, to DigiDay plus. They conned me into like a $200 subscription for the year because of an article I really wanted to read. I got you. Again, a point for like great content wins. Um, but advertisers are so fickle and right now they're such pressure to perform that experimentation on a platform that's been there, done that, and not much has changed. It's like, no, we all tried. Remember everyone was going to, um, boycott Instagram and Facebook and never use them again. And they were going to go on LinkedIn and Twitter and Pinterest and all these other places. Well, guess what? They're back because they need things that actually deliver qualified leads are. and revenue. Mm -hmm. So this article is here's what ad and media execs really mean when they commented on their Q2 earnings. This is hilarious to me. So, um, <laughs> it's so fun. So good. I'll try to use different voices just for entertainment value. So these are all things that, that high level executives said on their earnings call. The first is Doug Horn, the CFO at Gannett. For those of you um, who were born in the last 35 years, that's a newspaper company who tries to do digital media as well. But here's what he said. Despite secular headwinds, the decrease in print advertising revenue was limited to 8.9% year over year, marking the smallest decline observed in the past year. And then here's what he actually meant. That quarter could have been a lot worse, except for the fact that our print advertising sucked less than expected. Like people are still dumb enough to buy print ads. Um, Spence Newman, the CFO at Netflix said, our overall ad arm subscription 
plus ads continues to be higher than basic ad-free globally. Same as the statement on standard, but here's what he meant. Advertising is not a major moneymaker for Netflix yet. We made all of our money by just not letting people share subscriptions. Uh, I'm not even going to say what they actually said, just what they meant, because it's, it's, to me, it's just a really good insight into the chaos that is the traditional advertising world. Zaslav, uh, Warner Brothers CEO, said, um, who needs a massive subscriber base when you can focus on a handful of loyal customers and make millions? Am I right? So he basically is like, we're not even going to try to grow uh, the number of subscribers we have. They were just charging them a heck of a lot of money for not a lot of content, and it's working just fine. Michael Cavanaugh, Comcast president, there are too many moving parts that would need to align for a deal uh, of the magnitude to come together of being sold or, or swapping business units. Let's see, I think there was one other one in here that was really interesting. Um, Bob Backish, CEO of Paramount Global, talking about the whole uh, writer's strike and labor dispute. <laughs> Basically, whoever has the gold tends to make the rules and we've got the gold. And they also, by the way, it's been interesting just hearing all of the AI generative AI discussions around like, could you pick a worse time to have a strike over something that, you know? Yeah. It's just really interesting. So if you, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, this one's pretty good. Reels plays exceeded 200 billion per day across Facebook and Instagram. We're seeing good progress on real monetization as well with the annual revenue run rate across our apps now exceeding $10 billion up from 3 billion last fall. What he actually meant is we're about to make a whole crap ton of money from short form videos very soon. There you go. But like people in the print industry, I mean, even TV, again, I've, I've, I've hinted at it a couple times, but connected TV advertising sounds awesome. And if like Disney plus right now is pivoting their last call, Iger just said, you know what? We don't want people like we're going to up the price of Disney plus because we will make way more money if we can sell ads than if we make people pay what they're willing to pay for the platform. So their goal is actually to grow the the ad supported uh, subscriptions more than anything else. Hmm. And if if they and others convince more people to do that, and you can start affordably, that's the key, affordably targeting households with TV advertising on streaming services, that will be great. For right now, it's the only way that People like Disney can make money. They can sell the, that because the concept of it is so good. In, per, in, in actual performance, it, it's not worth the expense being paid, except for those people who are making money from the ads being, being bought. Yeah, I mean, but essentially it, it is, go ahead. Doesn't it feel weird that we're like subscriptions, no more ads, and then the pendulum is swinging the other way? Right. That like our kids aren't gonna understand, no, no, we're just going back to, cable like we already had this and then we didn't have this and now we have this again it's just the way things cycle through is interesting to me well yeah. i think it's a cat and mouse game of we as advertisers we want this ability to target at the household level which screen, streaming accounts allow that cable accounts didn't uh, i used to do cable tv advertising at heartland and you could pick a zip code that was it. Like you could, you could say target all of the Time Warner or Comcast subscribers in this zip code. That was the most you could target. Now that you can target accounts and you know who those accounts are mm -hmm. and that data gets blended with other data sources, it's the right thing that, that advertisers want. Whether consumers will put up with it, 
is another thing because it's yeah. it's hard to go back to like we use YouTube TV. Big Brother is out. My wife loves Big Brother. That's usually I get her the subscription to like the all access thing for Big Brother for her birthday. <clears throat> we missed the first two episodes. So we have to go back and watch YouTube TV records everything, but you have to, if you don't put it in your own DVR tool, you have to watch it with ads. And I kid you not, like every ad break is eight 30 second commercials and they add in like double, it's like punitive. It's like, you missed it. Ha ha. We got you. But now you want it. Mm -hmm. And it's just painful to watch that stuff. It's painful. I mean, at the end of the day, it's revenue per user, right? Just like you look at Facebook when they do yep. their, their quarterlies, you read the PDFs and you're like, okay, okay. Like, all right, a average US user is worth $23.54 per quarter. So you're like, oh, well, I'll just pay $15 a month to have no ads on my Facebook. But for them, it, you know, they're not making that choice to do that. But that's what it is. That's, at least that's why I interpret it. Like, right, we could go this way or this yeah. way. Revenue per user and then revenue at the end. But then they get into like, well, we need longevity. We need retention of these users. We can't have attrition, them dying off. So they have to factor in all those things. What a fun fun analysis for billions of dollars and and revenue to do and like here's what i'm presenting <laughs> shaking your hands like i'm nervous to to yep. tell this to someone but okay favorites oh man oh man yeah andrew's andrew's again filling in for beth last second so yeah, we'll let you nothing go last favorite and you life. can skip if you need to actually Julie, you got anything i've got one um so my son just turned 15 he's starting high school so for his birthday, he wanted us to take him shopping at the backpacker, which is like a, it's more expensive than we're you know, like, usually for school clothes, we would do like Target backpacker. and Old Navy because it's very, everybody knows that I'm thrifty <laughs> like that. So it's more expensive, but they have the, they got the sc coolest school backpacks there that maybe okay. I'm out of the loop, but they're, um, they're have an insulated pocket in the front for their lunches. So, you know, you're 15 at high school. You don't want to carry a lunch pill. So you no. just have it like built into the cool little backpack. So um Lunch made me pair? cringe. I like it. Yes. Made me cringe a little bit when we um Yeah, these are well, up there. I'm looking at them. What we paid for all his clothes there. But you know, he's getting older. He wanted the the cooler clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll just I'm Andrew, looking, I yeah, think your favorite should be the kids are back in school. That is that is my favorite. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it is my favorite. That's that we is going to be what it is. Here. But Ooh, yeah, ours started. Um, this will be our next. Uh, so like two weeks ago, they started. Um, by the time this is out, I think, or a week ago, whatever it may be. But yeah, I'm excited for that. What's the fun challenge though is we record three thirty Eastern. They get home like right now. Uh, well, that's four o'clock. But mm -hmm. right when we start is when they get home. So I'm like mute, unmute, mute because I have to walk through the the door, which is you know fifteen feet that way with my door shut and all that stuff is fine. But yeah, that was fun shopping for them. It uh, we have three, so it did. And you have too, but you went to the backpacker, which looks like a super sweet sport to go to. <laughs> For a few things, not For a few everything. Things, not everything, the but it's, yeah. <clears throat> um, our kids are in uniforms, which is great, um, but you still like, they got to get the dry fit ones. Otherwise, like the collar shirts shrink and then so they don't last a long time. But yeah, so it's, it's expensive starting back up school, but I'm glad they're gone. It's quiet. <laughs> the uh, power bill will definitely go down because Fortnite and the PS5, the Xbox and uh, desktop are not running upstairs all day. Right. I'll take that. Forgot about that. But I am me? I'm late to the game here. Uh, I feel like food showing up in boxes has come and gone for most people. They're like, yeah, I tried Blue Apron, all that stuff. Um, th this is Factor 75. I don't know if you've heard of this, but 
They're refrigerated meals. They're all fully, fully prepared. Okay. And the quality of the meat in particular is incredible. Like it is, it's like going to Carfagna's, which is the premier, uh, butcher here in town. If you're going to make ribs or steak for a special occasion, you go to Carfagna's. All the meat is really, really good. It's not, I guess some people use it for like dieting or whatever, but there's four or five categories like keto or low, low calorie, vegetarian, vegan, whatever. It's all really good. There is a pork chop thing that my wife had because she did it first. And I was like, what are we doing? This is dumb. And I tried it. I thought it was filet mignon covered with like a cheese sauce. It was some oh, type of pork chop thing. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. They, if they can make pork chop taste like filet mignon, <laughs> um, I'm in. I don't, I'm sure it's expensive, but here's the thing. Everyone's going to school for the first time. No more homeschooling mm-hmm. for the Oakleys. And that means there's not lunches uh, that are going to be downstairs. And I won't eat anything. Like I'll just eat a... A, a protein bar for lunch and it's way better for my body if i just eat an actual it, meal it does look good and it's yeah I mean, we do some meal meal prep like this um as well it's definitely worth it it's still cheaper than going to cheaper as in if i were to leave the office i go pick up chick-fil-a then i wait in line and then i drive back and then i sit at yeah. the, like there's 45 minutes right there even though chick-fil-a is 10 minutes away and this is maybe a dollar, two dollars. Because more. it's all refrigerated, the Real total food. prep time for every single one of these entrees is two minutes. Yes. And it's real food. Like it's and not, it's you look at the ingredients, you're like chicken. It's not. The bad thing, it does take up a little bit of fridge space, but yeah, that's um, surprisingly because this is not really my thing. Second fridge, I'm thinking. <laughs> Might as well. Ooh, have you had their blueberry buttermilk pancakes? Or is that I out of principle? I have not done any breakfast. Do it. It's just purely a lunch thing. So Melanie okay. doesn't have to mess with extra groceries for lunch for either of us. We just, and then the portion size is, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hungry. Ooh, not the great. smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites. Four of them. Looks pretty good. For those of you who may not be familiar, Andrew's two uh, obsessions food. are food and clothes. Yeah, shorts. I'm shopping for shorts. 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 Shopping for shorts. Yeah, again. specifically shorts. It's hot. It's hot and miserable. <laughs> We're yeah. I'll just move to like. No, I don't like the cold either. I don't know. <laughs> I'm stuck here. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in and joining us every week. We've got some fantastic guest episodes coming out shortly. Uh, one including uh, Julie talking yeah. a little bit more in depth about her book. For those of you who. <laughs> haven't ordered it yet, you'll get a little bit of a preview. So check that out. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.